today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Don't feast your eyes on wealth. You want to know why? Because wealth will sprout and grow wings and fly away to heaven. Bye-bye. That's like your monthly paycheck every month. It's like, where did it go? Oh, it's just, it grew wings and it's gone, flew away. <laughs> don't, don't get too attached to riches. Because here's the thing, even when you do amass them, there are going to be plenty that are going to be there to consume them. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. Don't get too attached to riches. Today, you learn from Pastor J.D.'s message to not fix your eyes on wealth. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. He is the keeper of all good gifts. He promises to give you what you need. Pastor J.D. encourages you to practice contentment and to seek to grow closer to Jesus. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Don't make the vow. Don't make the promise. Don't, don't commit to do something that you are not able to do. And then here's what's going to happen. And this is really interesting. You're, you're going to try and you're going to fail. And then you're going to say, you know, <laughs> it was a mistake. It was, it was an error. And God's like, no, it wasn't. You're, you're being dismissive of it? Oh, yeah, I was, you know, I just, it was kind of the, I got caught up in the emotion of the moment. You know, I commit from this day forward. And, and uh, you know, that was a mistake. No, it was a sin. And God takes it seriously. You know, we, <laughs> we have this proclivity to kind of ah, take the edge off of our sin, and we, we relabel it, right? So, you know, I, I, I have this issue. Issue? You have an issue? No, it's called sin. Say, re, repeat after me. Sin. No, I just, you know, I, I kind of messed up. No, you sinned. It was a sin. Yeah, but, you know, I, I just kind of blew it. No, you sinned. How about this one? Well, they had an affair. Oh, doesn't that just sound so <laughs> amicable? Yeah. Oh, it's just a, just an affair. Yeah, just an affair. You committed adultery. Call it what it is. I mean, you're, you're trying to sanitize it, and, you know, it was just a, you know, it was an error. It was just a, a slip. I slipped up. I I kind of blew it. I, I made a mistake. No, you sinned. That was sin. And God takes that seriously. Not just a mistake. Not just an error. I, I, I almost don't want to expound on the last part of verse 6 here, because it seems that this is so serious that God would become angry at your this is an interesting word, excuse. You're just making excuses. Well, you know, come on, lighten up. 
Lighten up. You know, it just, here's what happened, and you start making excuses. And you start coming up with stories. It's like God's saying, listen, if I want a story, I'll go to the library. Stop making excuses. And here's where it gets kind of chilling. And destroy the work of your hands. Man, let's move on. Verse 7. For in the multitude of dreams, here it is again, and many words, there is also vanity, but fear God. Well, that's interesting. Why would he say that? Why would he write that? Because, isn't it true that we're more apt to make a commitment or a vow under the banner of the fear of man and be trapped by that? Because the fear of man is a trap. When you're beholding to man, you're a man pleaser. So you'll cower and acquiesce under that pressure, the fear of man. And so what Solomon is saying here is you want to save yourself (laughs) much in the way of heartache and misery and certainly the displeasure of God, then fear God. Because if you fear God, you'll fear no man. I mean, think about this. When you fear God, whom shall I fear, David says in the Psalms? What shall man do unto me? Jesus said it like this, don't fear man who can kill the body, fear God who can damn the soul. Fear God, not man. When you fear God, you fear no one or no thing. Verse 8, okay, I'm sorry I'm already laughing because this is, this is so apropos for today. Solomon is going to talk about an oppressive government. He says, if you see the oppression of the poor and the violent perversion of justice and righteousness in a province with lockdown orders, oh no, that's not in the, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Do not marvel at the matter. For high official watches over high official, and higher officials are over them. Moreover, listen to verse 9, the prophet of the land is for all, even the king is served from the field. Okay, this is a paradox, a paradox of paradoxes, because you've got the people, the oppressed people that are dependent upon the government. But at the end of the day, the government is dependent upon the people and their labor and their toil and their taxes. So they need the people and the people are oppressed by the very government that makes them reliant upon them. And what Solomon is saying is, don't scratch your head. Don't marvel at the matter, because in the final analysis, there is a higher official over them. And we know in Scripture that God directs the heart of rulers the way He directs the water down the stream. Never imagine for a moment, and I know in this day, in which we live with everything that is going on, 
it can admittedly become increasingly difficult to remind yourself that God knows what's going on. God's in control. God rules over all and overrules all. Yeah, but God, did you, did you, did you see what, did you, did you hear? They extended the lockdown. He says, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm watching. I'm, I'm, what, what, you think I'm in heaven going, they did? When? Oh, Tuesday, you were, where, where were you? I don't know. I was, must have been golfing with Elijah or something on that day. There is a higher official, the Most High official, that is over them. Verse 10, now Solomon's going to turn a corner, kind of an abrupt corner. He's going to start talking about wealth. In fact, this is going to be the dominant theme throughout the remainder of the chapter and into and through chapter 6 as well. Lord willing, next week. So please do come next week because we're going to talk about how that riches will never satisfy. Wealth will never satisfy. And that's what he's going to talk about now, verse 10. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. When goods increase, verse 11, they increase who eat them. It's called children. (laughs) So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? Get a good look at them while they last. I think about that Proverbs. It's one of the, it's Proverbs like this. There's many other things, but it's Proverbs like this that tells me that God has a great sense of humor. God invented humor, obviously. But it's that proverb that basically goes like this, don't feast your eyes on wealth. You want to know why? Because wealth will sprout and grow wings and fly away to heaven. Bye-bye. That's like your monthly paycheck every month. It's like, where did it go? Oh, it's just, it grew wings and it's gone, flew away. (laughs) Don't, Don't get too attached to riches. Because here's the thing, even when you do amass them, there are going to be plenty that are going to be there to consume them. You make a million dollars, but $999,999 are consumed by way of overhead. So you made a dollar. It's all relative. And here's the other problem. And you amass it, you, you get it, and you love it, you'll never have have enough of it. It's just always more and more and more and more. And it's a vicious cycle. And that's what money does, by the way. You know, you can, here's a sentence for everything in yours and my life. It goes like this. If I only could blank, I would be happy. Now fill in the blank. If I could only make more money, I would be happy. No, you won't. If I could only have this, then I'll be happy. No, you won't. If I could only have the new iPhone, then I'll be happy. No, you won't. Because <laughs> as soon as you do, they're going to come out with a new version. I swear that happens to me every single time. I, I think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. You know, I, I remember I had the 
first iPhone 4. Just indulge me for a moment. I just have to get this off my chest. I bought the iPhone 4. Why are you looking at me like that? It was a lot of years ago. iPhone 4, and I kept it. It came out with a 5. I didn't get the 5. The 6. I did not get the 6. And I waited until the iPhone 10. Wow, impressive. And I'm thinking, I'm going to do it. I'm going in. I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. And so I purchased the iPhone 10. Wow, what a big difference from the iPhone 4. And I'm not exaggerating. I, I mean, it was days after I purchased it, they came out with the iPhone 11. <laughs> okay, I feel better now. I just have to get that off my chest. But isn't that how it is? I mean, it's, it's, it's just never enough. It's never good enough. By the way, they have in the industry what is known as planned obsolescence. Cars in particular, and I know this from being in the car business, it is by design. They have planned obsolescence. So as soon as you drive that new car off the lot, it depreciates. And it, and then you, you drive it home, you're, oh my, did you, and then, and then they change the body style. And now it's obsolete. Oh, you have that older model. And then your neighbor pulls up in the new one. Like, what in the world? So now I got to get that one. And they do that intentionally, deliberately. I'm telling you, it's evil. It's evil. You know why they do it, right? It's called discontentment. And you see, this is why you should not watch television commercials, if you can help it. And, you know, YouTube ads, do not watch those ads. This is what happens. They put the most beautiful people with the biggest smiles you've ever seen in your life. And it doesn't matter what it is, because whatever it is, you think, and it works. Don't give me this, yeah, that doesn't work on me. Yes, it does. That's why they pay jillions of dollars to advertise, because it works. Because you watch that ad, and you go, I'm not that happy. <laughs> right? Huh. Oh, look how happy they are. Let's, let's just talk about cars, since we're going to pick on cars. So they, 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 and then, you know, they get, get these famous people, and they're behind the wheel of that car, and they're looking in the rearview mirror, and they're, you know, kind of doing this. And, and you're looking at that thing going, huh. He's really happy. And they, and they got the music. It's so seductive and melodic and hypnotic, and you're just kind of drug into it. And that's a good word, drugged into it. It's like a drug. You're just going, wow. You mean if I buy that car, I'll be happy like them? And so here's what happens. You... you, you Go out to the garage or the driveway and you look at your car and you just go, that old ugly thing. And you get in it and it, and it smells musty and old and it's dirty. You know, I, one of my, the business I sold before I got into the ministry was actually a, a car buying service. And I actually, 
would do the negotiating for people, especially widows whose husbands, you know, used to always do the negotiating and the, the woman was like a lamb going to the slaughter. We will get through the chapter tonight. Just relax. <laughs> Maybe we won't. I don't know. <laughs> I'll have you out of here by midnight. You brought your toothbrush and pajamas, right? But it was uh, really for the widows that, you know, were just like lambs to the slaughter going into the dealership and just getting taken to the cleaners. So they would just pay me a flat fee, and I worked it through the automobile, uh, AAA Automobile Association. In fact, I had an office in the local AAA, and I would teach these seminars titled How Not to Buy a Car. And I had 10 things, how not to buy a car. And I had, and, and the whole idea was to save people money. So I had somebody at the end of one of those seminars ask me, say, JD, how, what's the most amount of money you save somebody on a car purchase? To which I responded, $25,000. They're like, how did you do that? I said, by the time I was done with them, they did not buy a new car. <laughs> no, here's what, here's what I, I, I used to tell people, and I'm telling you right now. Don't fall for it. This is, you know, so the, the car guys are going, thanks a lot, J.D. <laughs> Things are already tough right now, and you're not helping. But so here's what happens. You go in, and you sit in that car, and that new car smell. <gasps> oh, get over it. It's plastic. You're smelling. Go buy some plastic and just smell it if you want. Now here's what you do. You know, you've heard that expression, when the grass is greener on the other side of the fence? Okay. Fertilize your own grass. <laughs> Wash your car, for crying out loud. Get some new floor mats. Get, get, get some new tunes. Do something. Get a something to hang over a mirror and not a face mask. <sighs> Sorry. You know, just do something. And I mean, just washing it, you'll be surprised. It'll do wonders. Wax the thing for Get a detail. Splurge. What is a detail? Two, three hundred dollars? That's a lot less than twenty-five. And by the way, this was back when the average, how much, I don't want to know. I don't want to know how much a new car is now, the average price of a new car. But that's, it's all discontentment. If they can make you discontent with what you have, so that you'll go out and spend money you don't have, to buy what they say you need to have in order to be happy, it will not make you happy. In fact, as Solomon's going to tell us here in a moment, it's going to make you more miserable. It's going to make you more miserable, if you can imagine. Okay, where were we here? This was a Bible study at some point. We are in verse what, 13? No, 12. Okay, you know what? We'll end in verse 12. It's a good one to end on, because Solomon's going to talk about sleep. This is great before bedtime right now. You ready? Here we go. We'll pick it up in verse 13 next week, Lord willing. Verse 12, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. Come on, let's be honest with ourselves, right? The more you have, the more you worry about what you have. The more you have, the more you worry about keeping what you have. The more you stay up at night going through the what ifs. You know what I'm talking about, right? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if... And here, here's the guy that just works 
He's content, like the Apostle Paul said. I've learned to be content with whatever my state, whether in plenty or with little. I've just learned to be content. And I get a good night's sleep. I don't have to worry about my stock position, my portfolio, that investment, that uh, especially now. Are you kidding me? Man, if I, if I had all of that, I would be up all night like this going. And then, because we're Hawaii time, the stock market opens up, what, like two, three, something like that? So, I mean, you're looking at the clock, you know how, oh, don't look at the clock when you're trying to sleep, because then that makes it worse. You go, it's already 11. Now it's 12. Now it's one. Now it's two. I might as well just get up because the stock market's open. The abundance of those who amass riches and wealth will not allow them to sleep. Boy, I tell you, it's a a good night's sleep when you have a light touch. Now again, it's not what you have, it's what has you. This is not an indictment against possessions. It's not what you possess, it's what possesses you. If you're obsessed and possessed with these things, and they're the dominant passion of your life. That's all you think about, which is, by the way, how you know what is the master passion of your life. What do you think about the most? How about that? You want to know what, or better said, who is the God in your life? It's who or what you think about the most. That's who the the God is in your life. Sometimes it can be self. That's who you think about, the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 6 that you cannot. He didn't say you should not. It would be a good idea if you didn't. No, He said you cannot. It is an impossibility. You cannot serve both God and money. It's one or the other. You're either going to serve the one and hate the other, or vice versa. You can't serve both. It's impossible. Again, not an indictment against having it. It's not what you have. It's what has you and what keeps you up at night. And if you have the world's riches, I think it's it's either Proverbs 10.22 or 22.10 that says that it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and He has no sorrow or trouble to it. The Lord grants sleep to those whom He loves. Just so have a good night's sleep. Once you all stand, we'll <laughs> sleep tight. <laughs> uh, thanks for your patience. Sorry we didn't make it all the way through. I don't want to rush through this, do you? It's good stuff, isn't it? You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. One of the biggest lessons we learn from Ecclesiastes is this. You can have everything the world has to offer. The money, the most desirable job, the perfect family. But at the end of the day, none of those things truly matter. The only lasting thing that matters is who you put your hope in. All the riches in the world will never bring you the happiness you seek. Only Jesus can give you that. So seek Him. Maybe today you're hearing about Jesus for the first time. If that's the case, we have a resource we'd like to point you to. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the ABCs of Salvation. 
This will give you the basics of what it means to be a Christian and why it's so important to give your life to Jesus. If you have any questions, please connect with us by clicking on Contact under About. Or come visit us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. All the information you need is at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings from many books of the Bible at our website, too. Or download our mobile app to listen wherever you are, whenever you want. We'd also like to invite you to check out Pastor J.D.'s weekend update, the Mid-East Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible. You'll find these updates on our mobile app as well as on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.